the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, good afternoon. I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper, who has decided that it is more important to watch grandkids play in the state conference than it is to show up for work and explore the Word. Alex, what do you think about that? Man, you're you're brutal, Jim. I mean, <laughs> you know, I want to tell you something. Bert Harper, he he loves the Word, and he loves this program, and he loves the audience, but he does love those grandkids, and I think that's he he hath chosen the better thing, probably. I would not disagree with that. Uh, he called me uh, yesterday and asked me. It was in fact, I should have told you yesterday, but uh, he said, "Hey, man." He said, I've got both grandkids in state conference games. And he said, what do you think about me staying over here and seeing them play? And, of course, like you, I said, well, Bert, I think that's a great idea. And so he's there uh, cheering them on this afternoon and evening. And you and I here are cheering on folks with the gospel. And, you know, Alex, I'm not a great singer. But you remember Christmas and the songs that go around Christmas, and it's oh, yeah. beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Well, in this case, well, thank you. In this case, it's beginning to look a lot like share uh, okay. I'm in the main okay. studio, and I can look out, and the tables are lined up. The computer monitors are in place uh, along with the keyboard, so everything's getting set up for share you're going to be with us for a couple of days next week, and we're looking yeah, forward to yeah. that. And uh, I just have to tell you, we always talk about it. You know, we, we maybe don't talk about share for a month, but then it's always talking about share about some aspect or, you know, what we're going to do here, what we're going to do there. And so then when it actually begins to get closer, and we're talking next Tuesday morning, we're going to kick off share and that's right. on October the 12th, I believe, if memory serves. And it is. Um, 12, 13, 14. And we are hoping that folks will continue to pray about how they can participate and know how much we appreciate what they're going to do. And, Alex, this share our theme is simply the gospel. Amen. And Amen. so when we think about that and we think about the different things that, you know, that that encapsulates, if you will. Uh, man, the gospel, just think about it. Uh, you know, our verse is from 1 Corinthians, and it talks about that this is the gospel. It's the gospel by which you are saved. It's, and so, man, you think of all the different things that the gospel can do for us. Uh, that's pretty staggering, isn't it? Well, it really is. It really is. And the great news, the good news of the gospel, it is a unique message. It is a true message. It's a timeless message, and it's a personal message. And we'll talk about that. And you know what? Sherathon is very special. I remember 
oh, going on a decade ago, the first time that uh, Angie and I came. And it, it's like a revival meeting. And Jim, will you know, a lot of times at Sherathon, a lot of volunteers come in and they'll be on the phones and they'll help out with the computers and all, all of this. Is, is it going to be like that? People kind of converge on AFA from all over the country. Well, we're going to have some folks come in. Uh, you know, we are still careful about folks coming into the building and whatnot uh, sure. because of COVID, because of security and, and different things like that. Uh, but so we're going to have some volunteers and then we're going to have a mix of staff. Now we have had a lot of uh, more of our volunteers come at, call and ask if they could come back. And so yeah. some of those that, you know, have been with us for several years, they'll be back to join us and that's going to be really neat. Yes, exactly. Well, and and let me just say this, and and we're going to get into the book of Jeremiah today. Uh, Jim, moments ago, I did a radio interview from a station in California that called and wanted to do an interview about our book, The 100 Questions, the top 100 Bible questions from the first 10 years of exploring the Word. And uh, we'll talk more about that next week. But it um, was amazing to me how they... It was a different network, a Christian network, but they said, you know, you and Bert Harper have this very popular radio show, and uh, so I'm doing this interview talking about the book and this popular radio show called Exploring the Word, and it thrills my heart the way that the reach of this ministry is goes out wherever I go. And this over the past couple of months, I've been twice to St. Louis. I've been to Indianapolis. I've been to Dallas, Atlanta, Illinois. And everywhere I go, people, they'll say, oh, my goodness, the, the show has touched my life. It's changed my, my life. And uh, what is Bert Harper like? And uh, what do you think of Ed Vitagliano and Will and Miki and Don't You Love Sandy Rios's program and just so much. And, um, you know, we give God the glory. And, Jim, I know I know your heart. When we could talk about all the good things that uh, is coming out of AFA and the American Family Radio Network, but everybody, we're just thrilled at this moment in this hour we can minister the, the gospel mm-hmm. really to the Western Hemisphere. Amen. You know, we say America— North America, um, isn't it just a privilege beyond words that yep. at this season of history we can proclaim Jesus? Amen. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that our mission statement is about, uh, you know, is, is it's to help America, help restore America to its moral foundations, but moreover to help the church spread the gospel to help fulfill the Great Commission. Now, here's the scripture that we're going to use for Sherathon, and, folks, this will— it's First Corinthians 15, 1 and 2, and we're taking it from the New King James Version. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which you are also saved, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. You know, Alex, we, we filled the questions all the time about what it means to be saved, and that scripture kind of tells us what it means. It means that we follow the word and that we we fulfill the word, we fulfill the mission, we fulfill the call to make disciples. It, it's not a works-based faith. We, we talked about that a little bit yesterday. It's not a works-based faith. Our salvation doesn't come from our works, but rather the work of the cross 
uh, that Jesus completed when he was here, like you mentioned yesterday when he said it was finished. It was a proclamation, not a, not a surrender, wasn't it? Well, that's true. Uh, Jesus paid it all. And uh, it's funny, um, Jim, I got a call several hours ago from a pastor who's teaching through the book of Leviticus, and he wanted some you know, pointers about how to preach through the book of Leviticus. And we were talking about the intricacies of the law and uh, you've got to make the sacrifices and go to the door of the tent of meeting and do this. And I mean, the Levitical law, I mean, it was the minutia was just unbelievable. And when you think about what Jesus did on the cross, that he fulfilled the law. Jesus said, think not that I've come to abolish, but to fulfill all things. And um, just imagine how burdensome it would be to have to go through more than 600, um, you know, specifications of the law. But yet in Jesus, because he paid it all, we are cleansed and we, we, we have fulfilled the law, not because we've done it, but if you're in Christ, you, you are right with God. And I tell you, Jim, one of the reasons to be excited about the gospel is gratitude. Because Jesus did what we simply could not do. Pay for sin, fulfill the law, uh, fulfill all the righteousness requirements of God, and to present us faultless before the Father. There's nothing we could have done to get that accomplished. But yet, if you put your faith in Jesus, uh, Romans 5.1, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, if you really think about all that we have in Jesus your heart will overflow with gratitude. It sure will. So, and man, I tell you, folks, if you don't know Christ, I want to put this out there, and then we're going to go into Jeremiah. Um, If you don't know Christ, let me encourage you to call 1-800-NEED-HIM. That's 1-800-NEED-HIM. And there's someone there that will take the time to talk with you, to pray with you, and introduce you to this Christ of whom we speak. And uh, again, that's 1-800-NEED-HIM. They're a trusted partner of the ministry of AFA and AFR. Uh, and so we encourage you to do that. If you are if you have questions about Christ, if you want to come to know Christ, then I can't think of a better partner to help put you with than them. And so again, that's 1-800-NEED-HIM. So Alex, uh, we were going to start in Jeremiah today. Mm-hmm. And now again, this is not a a verse by verse study this time, but we're actually going to look at the Jeremiah, the priest, and the prophet. And so, when we look at that, there is a lot to un- to uh, uncover in the life of Jeremiah, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we had spent several days talking about Isaiah, and almost a hundred years later. Uh, comes a prophet named Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was uh, the son of Hilkiah, a priest. And even before he was born, the Bible says that he was called or set apart to be a prophet even before he was born. But I'm going to say this, Jim, that even in, in Jeremiah, where you know he prophesied about the sins of Israel and Uh, Just as Jeremiah prophesied, the city of Jerusalem was invaded and burned to the ground by the Babylonians. There there is good news in Jeremiah. I mean, for one thing, uh, Jeremiah 31, 31, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. 
And that new covenant includes really a reference to being born again, taking away the heart of stone and giving us a living heart. And uh, Jeremiah has very famous verses like Jeremiah 33, 3, uh, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. And uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts I have towards you, literally the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So, you know, there's a lot we can say, but let me just say this. Uh, Jeremiah is a gospel preacher. I mean, I know he's a prophet, sometimes called the weeping prophet, Mm -hmm. but I would say like all of the Old Testament, um, we can look in it and we can find the message of salvation, the foreshadowing of the Savior. Jeremiah is a preacher of the gospel, Jim. Amen. And, you know, it's one of those times, like you mentioned, the weeping prophet. Uh, Jeremiah had a passion for delivering the Word of God. And I don't think Jeremiah, you know, was, he was, he was raised, if you will, to fulfill this calling. And even his name, when you look at it, um, and it says that Jeremiah means, may Yahweh lift up. And mm-hmm. that is, that's pretty telling about what Jeremiah mm-hmm. did. He didn't want to lift up himself, but he wanted to lift up God and his message. Yeah, a- absolutely. And he did preach about judgment. Mm-hmm. And and he did. It, and uh, it's interesting that he prophesies that a the captivity in Babylon will last for 70 years, which, which happened. Interesting, um, Jeremiah lived. He was a contemporary of Daniel and Ezekiel. And... Um, We'll talk more about this when we come back. Plus, take your Bible questions and phone calls, won't we? Sure will. All of that and more straight ahead on Exploring the Word here on American Family Radio. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Tom Gribben, Commissioner for the Bureau of the Fiscal Service at the Department of the Treasury. His office promotes the financial integrity and operational efficiency of the federal government. Deuteronomy 8.18 reminds us that our wealth comes to us from God. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is this day. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Tom Gribben in his role at the Treasury Department. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Choosing heaven over earth seems like a no-brainer. But Dr. Tony Evans says it's more of a struggle than most of us realize. He'll explain why as we spend two minutes with Tony. Here's the question. Do you love the world so much you're willing to lose your destiny? Because God knows where he wants to take you. But you must be willing to leave, say goodbye. Some of you are going to battle because you're going to have to say goodbye to that worldly relationship. 
that's keeping you from your destiny. You may have to say goodbye to that, that worldly scenario where the guys are going out after work and they talk in smut. And yeah, you may not use all the words they use and make all the analogies they use, but you find yourself comfortable there and you don't want to lose a friendship. And we're not talking about being antisocial. We are talking about saying that that does not fit where I'm trying to go. And so, because that doesn't fit where I'm trying to go and I want to get to where God's taking me, I'm willing to leave. It's going to be hard to leave, but, but I'm willing to leave. You can keep yourself from ever hearing the voice of God if you stay in the world. That system that leaves God out. Hebrews 13, 13 says, you must go outside of the camp where Jesus is. It says, you can't stay in just a religious environment and not be willing to be identified with Jesus Christ and bear his reproach and expect to hear from God. Unless you leave the old, you will never discover what God has for you in the new. Find examples of the kind of faith that can lead you toward your destiny. Get details on Dr. Evans' message series, Heroes of the Faith, by visiting us at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Well, welcome back to Exploring the Word. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was lost in the music. I uh, was that, too, man. That, that was just so beautiful. <laughs> that's Big Daddy Weave with a remake of the song. And, you know, the, the Devin always says he did that one for me because it talks about the Salvation Army Band. And mm. it says the Salvation Army Band is playing this song. And when you hear that, of course, it's a song talking about Jesus. And so uh, it, it was all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. You know, I surrender all. And that's kind of inside the song as a, a bonus, if you will. But I tell you, Alex, uh, as we're talking about Jeremiah the prophet, Jeremiah the priest, the, the judgment, if you will, and also the hope that encapsulates the life of Jeremiah, um, it is because he was looking to Christ, whereas now we get to enjoy Christ and look forward to his return. Amen. Amen. Let me read some of these from the first, uh, the beginning of Jeremiah chapter 1. Uh, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests living in Anathoth. Now, uh, Anathoth is a city about two miles from Jerusalem, the territory of Benjamin. So, you know, his whole life has has orbited around Jerusalem, uh, the city of God, and God himself. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. And it's interesting, in verse 5 of Jeremiah chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to me. Now listen to this, folks. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Well, Jim, uh, the the case for being pro-life is established right there in Jeremiah 1.5. Notice who formed the baby in the womb? God. Mm-hmm. Who assigned a purpose to that life? God. I chose you. I set you apart before you were born. 
And uh, I don't want to get us off topic. And uh, let me say one of our core values, one of my core values, is that human life is sacred in all contexts. Uh, the elderly, uh, the infirm, the people in the prime of life, the unborn people are made in the image of God. And, and people have a purpose. Every life has a purpose. And so, uh, but right there, Jeremiah 1.5, um, we don't see a, an accident of evolution, but we see life being a creation of God, don't we, Jim? We sure do. And, you know, even there, as I went earlier when I mentioned that it was laid out for Jeremiah to be a prophet, we see that. Uh, it says, before you were born, I sanctified you. I had ordained you a prophet to the nations. So literally God had set apart Jeremiah, uh, you know, for himself, if you will. And, you know, the, a couple of the verses there remind me of, of something we would have seen from the life of Timothy, uh, also from Moses, uh, as we look there. And then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. And, you know, mm -hmm. we know that Timothy struggled with that. We know that Moses said, I can't speak. Let my brother Aaron do it. And God gave Jeremiah pretty much the same answer that Paul gave Timothy and that God gave Moses that he had not called Aaron to speak. He had called Moses to speak. Timothy said, let no man, you know, chastise you for your youth because you're being used of God. And, the, and it says the same thing here. There in verse 7, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you to speak, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So God's going to give Jeremiah this, this message to speak. And I, help me understand there in verse 8, when it says, do not be afraid of their faces. So basically, God was telling Jeremiah, don't worry about speaking to them face to face and don't worry about their reactions because I am with you to deliver you. Would that be accurate? I think so. A absolutely. A absolutely. And, you know, I've got to say this. Uh, Jeremiah, you know, uh, amazing prophet. I mean, he prophesied amazing things. And it was a time of instability. I mean, part of the the dynamic going on during the life of Jeremiah, there was um, uh, threats of war, attacks by Assyria, attacks by Egypt, uh, and ultimately it would be Babylon that would attack. Um, but so it was a time that there was a lot going on. But, but here's the thing. This is amazing to me. Uh, I chose you before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, do you remember, Jim, in... Um, John chapter 1, verse 48, uh, Nathanael asked Jesus, says, how do you know me? Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before mm. Philip called you. See, God, there's, there's many songs. He looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. God sees not who you are right now, but who you're going to be if you'll surrender your life to him. And uh, somebody listening right now, perhaps, Jim, you, you might, maybe you know the Lord. Maybe you're a Christian. Or maybe you need to come to the Lord. But, you know, God has things for you in your future. Oh, my goodness. If you will hand the wheel to Jesus and let him do the driving, uh, as we say, it, let the Lord lead your life. You have no idea. Jeremiah was raised up, and he said, you know, no, Lord, I'm just a youth. I, I can't do any of this. And God says, look, I'm going to do it through you. And just as Jesus called 
uh, Nathaniel and Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor of the church, became the church's greatest evangelist, Paul. Now, Jim, sometimes people say, oh, but Alex, you know, it's too late for me. I've, I've procrastinated. I've got all this stuff going on, and God couldn't use me. No, he can. Look, uh, you, may, maybe you have res- resisted the Lord, but I bet you've never killed Christians. Well, Saul of Tarsus did that. Saul of Tarsus, you know, uh, put a hit on the life of Stephen, and Stephen was martyred, and yet God turned Saul into Paul. And so we serve the God who not only saves and restores, but he has chapters of your story that he will write that I just think it would blow your mind. Jim, I never would have dreamed that that I would preach the gospel, be on the radio, get to be a part of AFA, see the whole wide world, and marry the girl of my dreams who would go to the Sudan on medical mission, and I would go to colleges. And now I give God the glory. I give God the glory. But goodness, 25 years ago, I could never have dreamed what my life would, would be like. And it doesn't mean there's not been challenges and things like that. But Jim, doesn't it excite, excite you as we read Jeremiah? And I mean, one of the, he's called one of the major prophets. Um, but for 40 years, four decades, God used Jeremiah, and it just reminds me that God's got amazing uh, fruit for every believer who will put their their future in the hands of the Savior. I just think it's very exciting to, to think about what God has done, and if we'll let him, what God will do. Amen. And, you know, Jeremiah wasn't perfect. We want to be clear about that. Uh, you know, there were times that Jeremiah complained, and in the midst yep. of his complaining, he also was singing praise to the Lord, you know, and, and uh, there was a time or two he did things that God told him not to, you know, God had said, don't intercede for these people, and Jeremiah was, well, Lord, that's kind of what you want me to do, and so, uh, I, you know, there's a, there's a host of things that's contained in the in the book of Jeremiah, Alex, and you know, when we look through all the chapters and the different things. He uh, got locked up a time or two. That's right. I, I mean, really, he did. He, he, he got persecuted, and some of his hard times were due, not, not overt sin, mm-hmm. but just a little bit of resisting the path that he knew he should have been on. Amen. You know, he, uh, he had been accused of treason and, you know, different things like that. Um, and he said he was responsible for some of the most aggressive uh, speeches, if you will, against Babylon. And so that was another time that he got in trouble. But at the same time, you know, he was he was proclaiming judgment on Judah and Jerusalem. He was still that prophet of hope. And I don't, you know, there is so much here that if we talk, we could talk about this for a couple of weeks, I think, and not cover everything that was in Jeremiah. Uh, so as as we look through this, we do want to cover some of the high points. And so, Alex, I know you have the outline for that, so I want you to kind of guide us along. Well, praise the Lord. Let, let's talk about this. And, you know, for a little bit, let's let's talk about the, um, the gospel in Jeremiah. Now, chapter 1 is 
really about some of the rules that they've broken. And uh, while uh, the the people in Judah, they really weren't thinking all that much about the rules that God had given them to live by. And that's part of the reason that judgment was, was going to come along. Um, Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? Uh, you know, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we were talking about the gospel in Jeremiah. Well, Jeremiah 17 talks about the fact that, you know, people are not basically good. People are basically bad. Now, God loves people, and people, you know, uh, God is compassionate, and people are valuable to God. God really loves people. But one of the things, and this is a, an interesting um, reality, is that Jeremiah forcefully sets out that, that people are sinful. Now, one of the instruments of God's judgment is Babylon. Babylon is mentioned 164 times in the book of Jeremiah. I mean, that, that's amazing. Why did he harp on that so much or reiterate? Well, for one thing, it was what God told him to, to share. The other thing was that was really um, one of the main ways that God would, would give his judgment would be through through Babylon, but we've got 52 chapters here, and um, let me just kind of hit some of the high parts, if I could, Jim. I mean, obviously, the there's judgment. I'm going to just summarize. Here's the basic outline of, of Jeremiah. God's people, Judah, they've sinned against the Lord. Sin brings judgment, and primarily through the Babylonians. But the third major point that we see that God is faithful and merciful in spite of our unfaithfulness, and God will bring salvation, forgiveness, and ultimately restoration. I mean, and those those are good reminders in any generation, aren't they? They sure are. Um, so uh, <laughs> 52 chapters. There's a lot here. And let me just encourage everybody, be a reader of the Old Testament. You know, I know a lot of times um, it, it does take a little bit of work, a little bit of heavy lifting, uh, but but be one to read the Old Testament, and Jeremiah being one of those. Now I want to read um, in verse 8 of chapter 1. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to deliver you. This is the Lord's declaration. So before the ministry, there's this call and Jeremiah's response to the call. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and told me, I have filled your mouth with my words. See, I have appointed you today over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and plant. And so he gets a vision. This is a very fascinating thing. This is in chapter 1. And God says, what do you see, Jeremiah? Notice God knows his name. Verse 11. God knows our name. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah says, I see a branch of an almond tree. You've seen correctly, so watch over my word to accomplishment and again accomplish it. Again, what do you see? I see a boiling pot. It's lip tilted from the north to the south. Okay. The Lord says, okay, this means disaster will be poured in. Jim, um, the prophets would get visions. Daniel had a vision of a statue. Here, Jeremiah gets this vision of of an almond branch, a branch of an almond tree, and then judgment. Let me just say this much. Before there can be a lot of ministry, 
there has to be an understanding of the message. Um, almonds, people speculate, what, what does that mean? Well, it was a, a valuable thing. It was a nutritious thing. Almonds had oil. Oil is always, almost always a good symbol in Scripture indicating the Holy Spirit. Um, so where he lived in Anathoth was famous for growing almonds. Um, God took Jeremiah where he was with things that were familiar to him, and they factored into his message. Um, that, that happens with us today. But one thing, the almond tree, the word for almond, did you happen to see this in the commentaries, John, is very similar to the Hebrew word for watching. Mm. Isn't that something? Here's a very healthy nut that people would eat, and the wording for it is very similar to the word for being watchful or watching. And if you're going to, if there's a pot of boiling judgment nearby, you better watch. Um, being mindful, discerning, watchful, that's something also people in every age need to do. So I, I know there's a lot here, and, and regrettably, we don't have time to go every verse in every chapter. But um, condemnation of sin, warning of sin, reality of judgment, mm -hmm. but the promise of forgiveness, we're going to find these throughout every chapter of Jeremiah. We sure are. And, you know, Jeremiah, it, it's one of those things with the way that he preached, um, the way that he delivered the message was in, in such a way that sometimes it was upsetting, sometimes it was comforting. Uh, and I think it was that way for Jeremiah himself, because remember earlier, you alluded to him being the weeping prophet. And mm -hmm. it, it was because he was grieved so heavily by what he was going to have to tell the children of Israel. Uh, and yeah. so it, it was one of those things. Well, folks, the phone number this afternoon is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Alex and I will take your Bible questions as we return with more Exploring the Word straight ahead on AFR. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. I love this country. Well, can I tell you something? I love the Lord more than I love this country, and I love the body of Christ more than I love this country. So it is because I love you, frankly, I have to tell the truth. There are many that are more concerned with the consequences in our nation than we are about the call. The Hamilton Quarter. Weekday afternoons at 5 Central on American Family Radio. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Several NBA stars are publicly expressing their COVID injection hesitation. Christian Orlando Magic star Jonathan Isaac is among them. After astutely sharing his reasoning, including his age, physical fitness level, and presence of antibodies in his system due to having had COVID previously, Forbes published a hit piece on him, saying... 
there is a bigger problem for the Magic here, one that goes back to Isaac's entry into the league. He is deeply and vocally religious, which is not a bad thing in itself, but has left him largely out of step with his teammates. Get it? Deep and vocal Christian conviction is problematic. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Luke 8, verse 15, Jesus said, The good soil holds the word fast in a good heart and bears fruit. My friend Dr. Tom Ellip's dad gave him great advice. He said, son, the solution to most of the problems in your life is this. Do it right now. Then he broke it down for him. Do it. Do it right. Do it right now. God wants his word to fall on good soil in your life. A heart with good soil says, God, when you speak, I will do it. I will do it right, and I'll do it right now. What's God showing you from his word that you need to do today to obey him? When you do it, do it right, and do it right now, your life will bear fruit for Jesus Christ. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. But he saves the poor from the sword of their mouth and from the hand of the strong, so the helpless has hope and injustice has shut its mouth. American Family Radio. Take your place at the table because it's been paid for by the blood of the Lamb, and you are redeemed. Hi, I'm Jim Stanley, in for Brother Bert Harper, along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and we're ready to take your Bible questions, and we're going to start with Doug calling from Texas. Doug, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. God bless you. Thanks Thanks to both y'all. We really appreciate y'all. God bless you. Uh, my question is, and primarily uh, if Alex could to give insight on this, but I'm at a church now uh, that more than churches that I've gone to in the past, um, uh, my wife and I are going to this church that emphasizes the immerse, immersion baptism and, and shows in the book of Acts, you know, they point out that uh, when somebody came to Christ uh, with immediacy in the book of Acts, uh, the people were uh, immersed, baptized. And and so, uh, like, like they they kind of couple it with your salvation. And and I've seen just, it seems to me that it does seem to help in discipleship and whatever if you start out that way. However, anyway, here's, here's the main question. The Apostle Paul, how did he change from being baptized when he got saved with Ananias quite immediately? It looked like he got immersed baptized. And then later on in the prison epistles or whatever the those later epistles or whatever, uh, it seemed like later on in his ministry, he seemed to de-emphasize it and say, hey, I, I really kind of don't remember exactly who all I I baptized myself, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so, but um, I'm here more like to preach the gospel. And so could you, could you tell me how that metamorphosis in your mind took place or why 
or or am I misunderstanding Paul? And he still emphasized it. It's just we don't see it written so much. Wow, good question. You know, Bert has said this a number of times, Jim, that the Book of Acts was a transitional period. And, you know, Christ is risen, Christ is ascended, Peter preached at Pentecost, the church got started. And um, Bert Harper has said on the show a number of times, a lot of what we see in the book of Acts was kind of foundational, the church is getting started, and it's not always maybe normative for the rest of church history. Now, I know in the book of Acts we see, you know, people like the Ethiopian eunuch, comes to Christ and immediately gets saved. And Philip says, you know, what what shall pre- prevent me from being baptized? Well, nothing if you believe. And so he gets baptized. Well, it, you get over there to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and, you know, because um, people, and this might have been some of, the, um, some of the Greeks that were used to uh, gods in human form, you know, you read in Acts 28, and Paul survived a snake bite. They thought he was a god in human form. And then there were, in the Jewish circles, people that were of Gamaliel, or they were of Hillel. And to be under a famous rabbi was a big thing. So it, it was, in a way, almost like there was this danger of becoming a cult of personality, right? And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 4, you know, uh, you know I'm glad I didn't baptize any more of you because... It's not Apollos or it's not Paul. You know, do we follow Christ or men? And, of course, we follow Christ. Well, the way this relates to baptism is, you know, baptism, and, you know, the, the Bible uses a couple of different words for, bab, you know, for baptism, like in Galatians 3, it's talking about being immersed, baptized into Christ. But water baptism, uh, if you're a believer, being baptized, what basically what it does now and for the majority of church history it's an outward act that shows an inward change that has taken place just like wearing a wedding band shows the world that you're married it wa- it wasn't putting on that ring that got you married it was the the union of husband and wife but the the wedding ring shows that you're married well water baptism shows that you've identified with Christ, you've identified with the local church. Um, It's a public way of showing your fidelity to Jesus. Baptism is not what saves you, but it is one of the ways that you publicly show you're saved. And whereas, I'll say this, I'll throw to you, Jim, it is true, in the book of Acts, we see so much of people believing and getting baptized right away. More often now, uh, it's done in the context of a church where you're uh, fellowshipping a, as a believer. Although we have, Jim, I was in Peru preaching with Focus on the Family, and we had 600 people accepted Christ. We had a an afternoon-long baptism session of 600 and some people. I was tired. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, my arm, seriously, about the last 100 people I baptized, I thought my uh, arm was going to fall right out of my shoulder. Uh, but you know that—that's sometimes on the mission field or in the early church. It—it it was a little bit different. But Jim, isn't it fair to say that public baptism is showing a Christian that they identify with Christ and the church? Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, you know, and I also agree with that it's not baptism that saves us. 
It's, uh, and as you mentioned, it is an outward sign of an inward experience where it actually demonstrates our death to self and then being risen to new life in Christ. And so that's one of the things there that we're identifying the death, burial, and resurrection uh, through the water baptism. And now I'm not going to say if, it, if you have to be fully immersed, if you can be sprinkled or any of that, because anytime that you get to the point that it's Jesus plus or Jesus and, then I think you take away from the work of the cross. Doug, that was a great question this afternoon. Yeah. We sure appreciate it. Have a good afternoon, and thanks for listening. We're going to talk to Linda now. Linda, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Thank, thank you for taking my call. Y'all are such a blessing every day. I've, I have a question, and I've been reading my Bible every night, and I've come across uh, something that I have questions about. It's the when they talk about the priest, the scribes, and the nethanim. Who are the nethanim? Alex, is that one of the questions in the book by chance? Yeah, I mean, if if I'm hearing you correctly, uh, in Genesis chapter 6, there's uh, Nephilim, and it's spelled like N-E-P-H-I-L-I-M. Uh, is that what she's talking about? Um, Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Yes, sir. This may be the single most often asked question, and Bert and I talk about this. And by the way, folks, you don't want to miss next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because we're going to tell you how you can get a, a brand new copy of this book. And Bert and I, I'm so excited about this book, 100 Questions and Answers. But but let me briefly say, Jim, I had one of the one of the best living Bible scholars tell me this may be the single most challenging passage in all of the Bible. Okay, in Genesis 6, it talks about men multiplying on the face of the earth, and sons and daughters were born to men. And it says the sons of God, Genesis 6, 2, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive, and they took as their wives as many as they chose. And then we've got this somewhat enigmatic verse, Genesis 6, 3. God says, My spirit will not always strive with man forever, for he is flesh, his days will be 120 years. The Nephilim, uh, Hebrew word, verse 4, were on the earth in those days. And when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bore children. These were the mighty men, men of all, men of renown. Now the question is, what in the world were Nephilim? Because some translations say giants. There were giants in the land. Now, people have wondered, well, sons of God, were these like fallen angels? Uh, were these like demons, spiritual beings that tried to have children with human females? Um, were, was this a different race other than human beings? Some have wondered, Genesis 6, 4, were, were demons trying to create some hybrid unsavable, unredeemable, not fully human, not fully angel. I'm going to say this, and and I know there's a lot of people that like to look at this as something kind of fantastical. What I think the, the Nephilim of Genesis 6 were, I really do think they were human beings. Now, they might have been carnal men, very sinful men from the line of Seth. Maybe they were 
giants in terms of stature. And, I mean, we've seen uh, over history there have been people, seven and eight feet tall people, physically huge people. But i, I got to say this, Jim. Um, the book of Genesis says everything reproduces after its kind. All right, only humans can procreate with humans. And clearly in the Genesis 6 passage, um, sons and daughters were born to women. And I just, I really don't see anything scripturally or biologically that indicates to me angels could impregnate females. So because we are talking about children being born, I think they might have been weird, they might have been tall, if humans procreate humans, it, it, it had to be a human, not a demon or some alien or something. All right, Linda, thanks for the phone call this afternoon. We appreciate it. We're going to talk to Elizabeth now, calling from Louisiana. Good afternoon, Elizabeth. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Um, yes, sir. I'm calling. I'm curious about verses in the Old Testament that specifically are addressed from, by God to Israel. For example, Isaiah 43, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. How do we as Gentile Christians, how do we know when those verses are also applicable to us and when they're specifically spoken to Israel? So, Elizabeth, I'm going to let a Alex do most of that question for you uh, simply because it's one of those that... Uh, you know, I, I can tell you what I think, and it would do you some good, but Alex will have a much deeper answer for you. But to me, it's one of those things that when you look at the Word of God and you ask what's applicable, if we believe in Christ, then it's all applicable because Jesus is himself said he didn't come to destroy the law but to fulfill the law and the prophets. And so when we look at that, it's one of those things is that um, – the every word that's recorded in the Bible is profitable to us. It may not make much sense at that particular time, but every word is profitable for us. Alex? Well, and that's a great question, and, and let me commend you for being conscientious about the ac accurate application of, of God's Word, because a lot of the Old Testament verses relate to, you know, really— the, the calling of Abraham, the people of Abraham, that would become the nation of Israel, and they would inherit their land, and through the line of Abraham and King David, the Messiah would come. And, you know, Jim, we've had people call in, because one of the most uh, favored Old Testament verses, you know, Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. You know, we've had a couple of callers over the years, and they'll say, well, you know what? I saw a bumper sticker, and that verse was on it with an American flag, and that was written to Israel, not America. And, and I get that. But, Jim, where, where I think that we can apply Old Testament scriptures to us are some of the universal spiritual principles applicable to all people and kingdom principles applicable to the church. Look, we know that sin will separate us from God. Sin, sin would separate Israel from God. Sin will separate us from God. We know that if we turn back to God in repentance, he'll forgive us. We know God would have done that for Israel. 
Um, and, and, you know, there are clear examples like Proverbs 14.34 that says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So while I get it, things about the land, you know, God is not going to build a temple in America. Mm-hmm. God is not going to send uh, a virgin-born baby to be the Messiah in America because that's already happened. So if it's the land, the, the kingdom uh, of Israel promises to the Jewish people, obviously that's, we might get, you know, spiritual edification reading it, but when it's about sin, salvation, being the light of God to a fallen world, being rewarded in heaven, um, serving the true and living God, I mean, those, those are relevant for all people, aren't they? Oh, they sure are. And Alex, let me ask you this, because we're coming up on the end of the program, and Angela, we won't be able to get to your call today. I apologize. But um, when we look at where we have been, when we as Gentiles have been engrafted into the vine, uh, that mm-hmm. is Christ, that is uh, the children of Israel, if you will, how, do, how does that compare to, to make some of those scriptures more applicable to us? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, a lot of that is found in Romans chapter 11. And uh, I would encourage people to read, well, read the whole book of Romans, but then Romans 11. Okay, did Israel's unbelief nullify all the promises of God? And Paul says, uh, of course not. You know, heaven forbid that, you know, God does not uh, renege on his promises, even if people stumble and sometimes unbelieve. But then it talks about this, that God has come to the Gentiles, so much so to make even Israel jealous, and the Gentiles, we come in, we too are sons of Israel, and back to Jeremiah, now children of the covenant, because we've been grafted in, Romans eleven seventeen. So for present blessing and future glory, yeah, those promises are ours, too, as blood-bought believers in Messiah. Amen. Folks, this has been Exploring the Word. That was Dr. Alex McFarlane. I'm Jim Stanley. Tell someone about AFR, but tell everyone about Jesus. Jesus.